Seinfeld. The Friars Club is over, but we're just getting started here on Seinfeld. The post-show recap here on postshowrecaps.com. A podcast about nothing. And now, here are the two guys who are like the podcasting version of the Gatsby's. I'm Rob Sisterner. Here's Akiva Winokur. Akiva, how are you? I'm doing great. I don't, yes. I don't totally get that. Do you get that? No, nobody gets it. Nobody gets okay. it. That was like a thing, right? You ever read The Great Gatsby? I did not. I actually couldn't even get through the Leonardo DiCaprio film. You say couldn't even. I think the movie was bad. I, the book is probably better than that movie. No, I'm saying it was long. It's like if you can get through the movie a lot easier than a book of something, I would think in most cases. And this was really like I was like I was excited to watch it. I was like, OK, well, I'd like to know uh, the story of The Great Gatsby. And I was like, what? What is going on here? What is he doing with Spider-Man? What? Spider. Spider-Man's in the Great Gatsby? Yeah. Oh, really? Yes. I think, is it Spider-Man or it's Elijah Wood? <laughs> Spider-Man or Elijah Wood? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I've never I seen feel it. Like it's, I feel like it's Spider-Man. Right? And then, which Who's one? Spider- who, wait, who do you think is Spider-Man, first Toby of all? Tobey Maguire. Oh, so that's your Spider-Man? Yeah. What, what am I? Some millennial and uh, Garfield is the, the uh, is that his name? Andrew Garfield? Andrew Garfield. Yeah. No, he, that, he is not my Spider-Man. You're not a Garfield guy? <laughs> I mean, I, I know you hate comic book movies, but I don't even think he was the Spider-Man in uh, the, the last Avengers movie. Oh, I didn't. They have a, I didn't know Spider-Man gets to like be with those guys. Is it Spider-Man or Spider-Man? I, I mean, I don't know. I, I haven't seen since the, the first one. But, I, yeah. I, you know, I, I thought you would be more of a Garfield guy. There's been a big backlash no, to I don't Garfield, like Garfield. No. on the Internet recently, like the comic Garfield. Oh, people really? Why? People, people say it's not funny. People say it's really bad. <laughs> no, no, I don't know. Whoever thought it was funny. But he like, it was Mondays. a TV show. He likes lasagna. What's so funny? I, th- I, I people, you know, you know what it is also? I think uh, I might be mixing up Garfield with Heathcliff. Oh, <laughs> well, Heathcliff. Well, well, who's against Heathcliff? Everybody. Everyone hates Heathcliff on, on like weird Twitter. They on all hate weird Heathcliff. Twitter. Why? Because he terrorized his neighborhood. No, because he, like the jokes are so bad. Mm <laughs> Well, I don't think that any comic strip is actually funny. Yeah, how did comics ever make it? They're so du- they're so terrible. Because people were so bored. You had no internet. You had no anything. All you had was a newspaper that would come to your house. And what are you going to do? Either read the crossword puzzle or do the crossword puzzle, do the jumble, or look at the quote-unquote funnies. But they're not that funny. Ziggy's not that funny. Uh, Peanuts no, far- aren't that funny. <laughs> no, Farside not funny at all. I mean, what's the funniest uh, comic that's in the they, they, I don't, Do they even still make them? Kathy. Kathy. No, she's not funny. It's not like funny. depressing, Kathy. Yeah, Kathy makes you like want to kill yourself. Yeah, I mean, like all those Kathy and Dilbert, it's all like, boy, work sucks. Wah, wah. Like that's. Yeah, and, and you're like that. reading it on the way to work or, you know, on the train on the way to work or right when you before you get in your car and drive to work. I mean, it's, it's relatable. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's familiar. I know people love Calvin and Hobbes, but I don't think that that was ever that funny. The, and the Dilbert thing got ruined because the guy is a lunatic. And the- <laughs> I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know if there's a funny comic strip. Yeah, I was thinking like I, I probably read when I was a kid, like 5000 Archie comics. Mm-hmm. And I never left once. <laughs> At best, you get like a wry smile. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I don't yeah. maybe in like a double digest. At best. Like, <laughs> You get one, you get one smirk, but that's about it. 
It's never happened. It's never happened ever before. All right. So we're talking about the Friars Club and we'll see how many laughs there are as we go ahead and talk through this episode, which is not one of my favorites of the 180 episode run. Definitely not like a classic episode. Not not one of the worst, but it's, uh, you know, replacement level. Yeah, it's war is like negative point zero one or something, <laughs> something like that. Uh, this is from March 7th, 1996 and written by David Mandel. Yeah, David Mandel, probably best known recently. He just, uh, you know, they he was the new showrunner of Veep, oh. uh, which just won the Emmy. So he was up there. If you watch the Emmy Awards as like the guy uh accepting the award for you know for julia louis dreyfus and the rest of the show and he said this one's for uh chubby guys from the up it's chubby jewish guys from the upper west side which is hilarious because uh no offense david mandel but you're not chubby oh okay shots fired not really i mean i think he knows he's, he's not chubby are you thin shaming no, no, no. I'm not fin shaming. He's like 400 pounds. Oh, not- <laughs> you're the other direction. Okay. Yeah. You can't call yourself. You can't call yourself chubby if you're like that overweight. That's absurd. I thought you were saying that like, oh, he's being so self-deprecating and he's believe me, he's not chubby. Right. No, no, no. I wasn't. I wasn't thin shaming. I was straight up fat shaming. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Look at you, Keith. I thought that's beneath you. Thin shaming. I could see. Is thin shaming even a thing? Oh, it's a thing. I think you've thin shamed. I've thin shamed? Yes. Who do I thin shame? Well, you, you've you accused me. I don't even think you like food. Well, you don't. And I'm not even that thin. No, but you don't like food. You could be like average, like not skinny or fat, but, you, but you're just not interested in food. <laughs> I do so little physical activity that even not even liking food that much, I still am not in good shape. Right. Like you eat healthy, but you do no exercise and it right. sort of bounces out to a to a straight up like zero (laughs) yeah i guess that if i was running a government i'd be sort of like a libertarian of like i don't want to take that much tax money and we don't want to have that many programs we're really going to take in the least amount of money and we're going to try to spend the least amount of money small (laughs) small digestive system you're getting johnny de silvera very excited right now (laughs) with your libertarian All right, Keith. Uh, any Seinfeld-related news? I feel like we've been in a little bit of a Seinfeld-related dry spell in terms of the news. I feel like over the summer there was a million things, and now not that much. You know, there there really isn't. You're right. There was so much news, and now there's not. I did want to say a couple weeks ago, we were, you know, we're talking about the Emmy Awards um, a few minutes ago, and just the idea that you know Julie Louis Dreyfus has gone from like, which I think she won one Emmy as Elaine. And now she's like the new. And if you remember when Seinfeld was on the air, the the best actress Emmy and Julie, I'm sure, was up for supporting actress for Seinfeld. But the best actress Emmy went every year to Candace Bergen. Yeah. To the to the point where she had to, like, uh, stop submitting herself because it was, you know, she won like five or six in a row and it was getting too ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And now it's there's this, you know, it's crazy, this idea that like Julie Dreyfus is like, you know, historically great comedic actress who who wins every single year for veep uh you know it's pretty amazing yeah well there's a lot of makeup calls probably in emmys so they're probably trying to write that candace bergen was probably getting emmys for stuff she did previously and somebody who's doing really good stuff now probably in 10 years will get a bunch of emmys for whatever they're doing in the future right i feel like uh you know the wire is is owed a few makeup emmys (laughs) yeah i don't know how you give that retroactively to a show but i don't know i don't know 
uh, I think Idris Elba is just getting to have the, an amazing career. Yeah, I do think Michael Richards could get any can he could get like uh, some sort of makeup Emmy, or is that mm, is that over for him? I don't know. I think that ship has sailed. I don't think yeah, so. F- five straight years she's won. That's insane. Yeah, she's so good that looking at her IMDb page, she won for the New Adventures of Old Christine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, she won just as many times for playing Elaine Bennis as she did for playing Christine Campbell. Yeah. And then she got, uh, you know, she was nominated every single year for, of New Adventures Old Christine. She only won once, but she got five straight nominations. Pretty amazing. There's really no, like, Oscar, uh, you know, comparison. There's no comp for her in, in you know, Oscars or Emmy. She's like the goat, basically, at this point, Julie Louis Dreyfus. Well, good for her. What about Meryl Streep? She's beyond Meryl. She's won so many times at this wow. point. Wow. Elaine Bennis has passed Meryl Streep, even though Jerry thinks she's a phony baloney. I, you know, it's she should also she should really do a few movies, pick up a couple Oscars. <laughs> Why not? Oh, she did do that movie with Gandolfini, right? She was in that movie like that. That was like the last movie that Gandolfini was in before he died. Or maybe he, I think I think he it was the last movie that was out from Gandolfini before he died. And I think he might have had like another movie or two in the can. You got to have a movie or two in the can at all times. I think that uh, I, I like that movie. But then my, my my wife's mother and my wife's grandmother came over. And they were like, hey, uh, have you seen any movies recently that we'd like? And I said, yeah, there's a movie. I think it was called Enough Said. Enough I said. said. It's, uh, it's with uh, Tony Soprano and Elaine Bennis. And uh, it's totally like innocuous. And I feel like you ladies will like it. And within about four minutes, they had shut it off. And I've never seen my wife's grandmother so angry in my whole life. Why? What happened? She was so angry at me. She's like, she was like visibly upset. Like two days later, it's like, like, I thought you had good taste. Like I this like I have to reconsider everything now is the worst thing I've ever seen. Like Bubs, you only saw like four minutes of it. She was so Bubs. upset about it. Yeah, Bubs. I like it on the wire. Yeah, well, I don't know if she's a big wire fan, but yeah, Bubs is short for Bubby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, enough said on IMDb as a seven point one out of ten. That's good, right? It was a totally fine, totally fine movie. I don't know why. Yeah, his last movie that actually dropped was The Drop with uh with uh, Tom Hardy. And I saw that and I don't even remember it. So I can't, I, it can, couldn't have been that good. Yeah. Okay. So enough said about that. Uh, 96% on the tomato meter. What enough said? Yeah. You know why? It's one of those movies that like for everyone, except for uh, people in my wife's family, I guess it's like a B plus all around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know where it's nobody's favorite movie, but it was, I it was told, I don't know why they got so violently upset. It was probably more the idea of me and they were just <laughs> taking out, <laughs> taking out their frustration on the movie because they couldn't like kick me out of the house mm-hmm. they were just mad at the movie but I, i'm not sure yeah it might also be like one of those like uh people were really like uh when it you know james gandolfini passed away and then people watch it like oh he was the best and then they gave it really high high reviews nah, I, not them i don't think they knew who he was <laughs> well not them i'm talking about the people on rotten tomatoes oh yeah yeah they got he got a pity they got a pity uh right. thumbs up on nobody was reviewing the movie and be like boy james gandolfini really this was uh, you know this was not his yeah. best work no he turned into clunker J- gandolfini like yeah. like the rest of his work i would you know and then then they have the hot take police that saying that like he was overrated as tony soprano and someone else could have done it better. <laughs> all right all right well we're way off the track so let's get yeah. back into uh friars club and Jerry opens up with some stand up talking about how people like to sleep and then they have dreams. And when your alarm goes off, you will incorporate your alarm into your dream just so you don't have to wake up. Keeve, does this happen to you? No, I don't set alarms. Mm, yeah. My wife usually wakes me up 
And uh, if I, you know, she doesn't, I kind of just wake up when I wake up. What does she just yell? Like, t- like uh, Akiva, wake up. Uh, it's it's more like uh, curse words at a certain point. <laughs> I it, like today uh, she didn't you get wake to pick me. Which ones? No, I don't get to choose which curse okay. words. Like today, I was I worked really late last night, and and she didn't wake me, or she probably tried and gave up. And I just I just woke up at like one o'clock. I'm like, oh shoot, I'm like literally late for work, and it was a disaster. But I I do not set alarms. Yeah. I have not set an alarm recently because I just have kids that wake me up at ungodly hours. But in terms of when I used to have a clock radio, I, I this did ha- used to happen to me, but I haven't used a clock radio to wake me up probably in, I don't know, five or ten years. Yeah, I'm such a heavy sleeper that my kids alone don't wake me unless they like they, they have to get to like the jumping on my body stage in mm-hmm. order to wake me. And yeah. even then, like, I'll just like sort of be annoyed that they're doing it. But eventually they'll have to like give up or go to school or something. That's right. And and I, like I can go back to sleep. Yeah. All right. So this opens up with a very cinematic shot, almost out of a musical of George, like dancing in the street. And you see like overhead shots of George. And we find out that June, baby, the wedding is pushed back until june now this wedding was originally at the start of the season it was going to be what before christmas and then it was going to be in the spring and now it's going to be pushed back all the way to june keeve setting the stage for what will ultimately happen to susan got it you know the one of the first rules of 90 sitcoms is there's no weddings and no funerals until sweeps Mm -hmm, that's right All right. So that we see George go up to Jerry's apartment and say that, okay, the wedding is pushed back until June and uh, very exciting news for for Jerry. And we find out that the catering hall screwed up. How is that possible, Keith? So it's a little roundabout. There's actually a bunch of deleted scenes, probably the most of any episode. Um, So they did film a scene uh, where Susan gets a call saying we double booked the hall. Uh, you know, if you want to have the wedding here, it you have to wait till June. And so I, while that scene did nothing and Susan is like really reluctant to like even speak in that scene, because I don't know what's going, going on with Heidi Swedberg, but mm-hmm. it's a weird scene. And I know I, I it's not a bad scene. Like it wouldn't have been to- totally out of place. They would have just needed to put in a different take. Like maybe that wasn't like a take they would have used the one that ends up on the the, the deleted scene DVD. But you if you think if you go back to like George yelling in the street. It looks like it's added in post. If I now that I think about it, you barely hear him say like June, June, June. You don't know what he's talking about until you see the next scene with Jerry. So I, I think they may have scrapped that scene last second and added in the George singing and dancing with June, and then added the exposition with Jerry. I'm not sure. Oh, that's interesting. It's an interesting take. Uh, in the notes about nothing, they talk about how in the overhead shot you could see a lot of chalk marks on the street from different setups for the camera. Yeah, I didn't notice that, but I, I noticed it's like hard to hear what George is saying. And obviously, you know, I've seen the episode before, but if you if like the first time someone's watching it, it's like, what is he saying? You can't even tell he's saying the word June. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think he's saying? I, I, I you know, he's like mumbling. I, I you know, I didn't, okay. you know, it, I'm not even sure. It's not like an Uncle Leo situation. No, not an Uncle Leo situation. OK. All right. So that George is then talking to Jerry about how, hey, Remember Susan's best friend, Hallie? She broke up with her boyfriend. How many friends does Susan have all of a sudden? This bridal party is going to have like 100 people in it. Yeah, Susan doesn't seem like the type to have more than one friend, but uh, Mm -hmm. she keeps throwing these friends out there for Jerry to date. Yeah, okay. And the wheels are in motion and they're going to have a double date coming up. And George is so excited about the prospect 
of that they're going to be going on dates together and they're going to go away with vacations together, just like the Gatsby's. Yeah, we've officially murdered Independent George. Like he is he's <laughs> gone and never coming back. Now, Keith, do you have any couples that you double date with? Um, Not double dates. Like we'll go over to a couple's house and hang out. But, you know, no, we don't I, we haven't been on a couple's double date. Have we ever been on a couple's double date? My wife's in the room. Have we ever been on one? She can't remember one either. I don't believe she said we went to a movie once with a couple. Yeah, I don't think I've ever. And I've been with my wife since 2003. I don't know if we've I, one time we went to dinner with another couple. Um, another time we went to dinner with Parvati and John Fincher. And I, I mean, I, I think maybe less than less than five times. I mean, have we ever done anything with another couple? Well, I would also like say that if you add in a bunch of people, that's different. Yeah. Like you said, have you ever done something with like a group of like 10 people? I'd say. Sure, but just a one-on-one couple double date. Uh, I, 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 I maybe Still we have not even that often. I probably, but also like you always talk about how few friends you have. Like the issue is, and and um, you have this, I know for sure. It's it, like whose friend would it be? It would it be your wife's friend or your friend? Because if it was your friend, you know the the primary friend, right? Mm-mm. And you're like, hey, you know, you remember my friend Johnny from college? Like he's out in L.A. and he wants to go out with me and you. I've never met his girlfriend or his wife. Right. Your wife's not coming. Right. Here's the thing. Anybody that would be friends with me, anybody who would at least like think that I was a funny person to talk to, my wife would not like that person. So it would have to be that person would be immediately rejected as a poor judge of character. Right. And whatever spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever they had, then also would be immediately rejected by my wife. So I would have to say it would need to be somebody who my wife was friends with. Right. And then, and again, you know, I could make small talk with anybody, but you know, my wife doesn't even like that many people to go to have a friend herself. Right. And then uh, to be fair, like, so it's like, okay, there's my friend Lynette from Long Island and she just moved to LA. Let's go out with them. And you would find the one guy who you can't even, make small talk with that would be like probably her, her husband or probably her i mean the difference between me and my wife is i i do think at my heart i i am a people person keeve i i do think that i i enjoy having conversation and banter with people but i'm lazy and i'm busy and i don't want to go anywhere so that's why i don't want to go and engage in any sort of social situations but my wife just is not a people person so she's really is the the problem here. Yeah, let's blame her. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's just sit her down with a stranger. She's got nothing. I mean, what well, I, I do like you. You appreciate sports more when you get older. Like, you know, I've had people over recently and, um, you know, like I know that I can at least start with sports and I have like an yes. 80, 20 chance of of at least, you know, the guy being able to hold a conversation. And I don't even like talking sports with people because. The same way, like, you wouldn't want it to have, like, an in-depth, like, podcasting talk with someone necessarily mm-hmm. because they wouldn't be able to, like, hold their own with you. Yeah. Uh, you know, that I, you know, not to sound too arrogant, but, like, no, I don't want to just... You know more than, than, than he's lame. Yeah, and I don't, right. yeah, and I don't want, I don't want, uh, you know, I don't want to have that conversation, but I'm willing, I'm fine having it. Um, and, and then you get past the 80, 20, and by the way, like, we'll have, I, you know, we'll have... Uh, couples over a lot for like meals for more like for like 
you know, holiday meals or whatever, uh, Friday night and stuff like that. And if I really have nothing and it's not going well, I'll always go to politics, which I know is a terrible oh, thing. Geez. But it's like, we're going to go for the kill here, because if I'm bored, I'll just entertain myself. And I'll be like, and, 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 and it's also like, maybe we'll find common ground or maybe he'll be like, you know, I, you know, I like Donald Trump, but there's not enough bluster. I need someone with even more bluster. The guy will say, like, I'll, you know, I'll know I'll know where we stand. Yeah. And I think that I could just get through the small talk with like just uh, the guy. I could just be like I'm pretending I'm in like an interview, you know, and Jerry does a piece of stand up somewhere along the way. That's like this. It's like, oh, oh, OK, uh, you are uh, an Uber driver. Oh, OK. So tell me. And so, uh, so. All right. So how about this? Uh, so I can just at least amuse myself with just like I would much rather ask the stranger questions than, you know, be answering whatever they're asking me because they don't understand what I'm doing. No. Yeah. No, I don't mind asking questions. I feel like I'm good at asking questions. Yeah. Stay on offense. I don't want to go yeah, back to me. That's true. And then, you know, you know, and so especially like, I mean, now you don't, you know, you're happy, you know what you're doing. But like then there's always like a point in your life earlier on where it's like, why well, do I want to answer questions what I'm doing? Like, I don't mm-hmm. know. yeah. Why do you want to know? <laughs> All right. So here comes Kramer and he comes in. We find out Kramer's going to go on Da Vinci sleep. He is now going to stay awake all night long and sleep in intervals of 20 minutes every couple hours. OK, so this always amazed me. I'll tell you why. When I was growing up and I went to Jewish day school, we had heard about, you know, uh, a, like a famous rabbi who had done something similar. Uh, and I didn't know this was accredited to Leonardo da Vinci, who, to be fair, was born before this rabbi an 18th century Lithuanian rabbi, uh, most commonly known as the Vilna Gon. And the reason I'm telling you this is because I thought this was amazing when I saw this episode for the first time in 1996, because the Vilna Gon's last name, Rob, was Kramer. Oh, wow. It all yes. comes full circle. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, so that, so like, and he used to sleep, uh, you know, I think a little differently than Da Vinci did it. He would do the like maybe an hour at night and but he would like learn and you know he would like study and write books and stuff with his like feet in in like cold water to keep him awake yikes yeah have you ever done stuff like this or you're like tried to go on very little sleep no i do the opposite where like i i try i like you know <laughs> make sure wait. the blackout shades are closed at like two in the afternoon just in case i fall asleep at work or something mm-hmm. like <laughs> it's tough it, I, i've definitely been there where it's like you know, I'm like working through the night on different things. It doesn't happen a lot, but it's not fun. Not fun to try. The, this is a bad the truth idea. is I do do it probably for like less, you know, uh, you know, auspicious reasons than the rabbi or than Leonardo da Vinci would be doing it. But like I've been overseas many a time trying to stay up to watch, a, a, you know, like a, a baseball game that starts at three thirty at you know, in the morning. And, uh, you know, and then you have like the walk of shame where it's like people are waking up in the morning and you're still watching the game. You know, at seven oh five, it's still not mm-hmm. over in the morning. Yeah. So I've definitely done that, but then I'll just like sleep the rest of the day. But it, I, so I, I could see where he's coming and then you, you don't function for it messes you up for days on end. Yeah, I don't get that night's sleep. All right. So a lot of stuff at Peterman here where we're going to have a meeting and we're going to meet Rob Schneider. I guess this is the first of two appearances in my mind. I guess I got them confused together. I remember he was the guy. Is he the guy who sneaks up on people? Is that also Rob Schneider? Or is that somebody else? I think it's someone else. Oh, okay. that- don't, don't you think that Rob Schneider, I know this is uh, a stretch, but I think it really works here. Rob Schneider in this episode looks a lot like early The Rock. Oh, the, is Rocky Maivia? 
Yeah, like Rocky Maivia, like early, you know, right when he became The Rock, he's got the exact same like square kind of fat face. Yeah, that uh, that The Rock has. I don't know if I don't know if you see it, but <laughs> to me, it looks like him. Wow, he's got like the Rocky Maivia haircut. Yeah, and the, the, yeah, Rocky The Rock's haircuts at the beginning were so terrible. Yeah, it's amazing. Like he has a better sense of humor. Like Tom Cruise, someone like that would have like burned all footage and like bought the footage and destroyed it. Yeah, but The Rock has fun with that stuff. <laughs> and you know what the issue is that okay, so the Tic Tacs guy, you're right. The Tic Tacs guy is not Rob Schneider. I thought that he comes no. back in another episode, but in my mind, I just sort of melded those two characters together: Rob Schneider and the Tic Tacs guy. Uh, he sneaks yeah. up on people at <laughs> Peterman. Maybe it's The Rock. <laughs> Maybe it's The Rock. That's it's possible. Yeah. The, here's the picture of what is it? Like the Rock wearing like mom jeans. Yeah. You see, he loved like he'll tweet old embarrassing pictures of himself. Yeah. He could do that's no wrong. That's how that's a social media strategy. Like pretend to be like the coolest guy on earth, but like pretend to be self-deprecating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. All right. And so Rob Schneider, he has the hearing aid and allegedly He's pretending that he can't hear or he's saying that he can't hear. And Elaine calls him out on this. Uh, Keeve, do we have a verdict uh, at the end of this episode as to whether or not uh, Bob is faking him not hearing certain tasks? You know, a lot of people wrote in with they have different theories that, you know, some people assume he is faking. To me, I think it doesn't have to be uh, an open and shut case. I think he could one be deaf, which he pretty clearly is to a certain extent, but or is you know, it at least like, wearing a functioning hearing aid. Right. Wearing a functioning hearing aid, um, but maybe use it to his advantage where if he doesn't want to hear what you're saying, he doesn't. There, there is an alternate ending. Oh, where where? Yes. Where um, Peterman comes in with Bob and Peterman says, uh, you know, like you're a wreck. Uh, you know, you, and again, Elaine had just had the, the hearing aid in her ear, so she can't hear anything. He's like, oh, you're a wreck. You've been working too hard. I'm going to send Bob to Italy. Instead, I was going to send you. And then he leaves. They both leave the room. And Elaine says, son of a bitch. And Bob comes back in and says, I heard that. And then he points to his hearing aid and says, oh, I got new batteries. Okay. So it's actually more of like a 50-50 yeah, that's case. more ambiguous. I don't know. <laughs> I do think it's probably the first thing just to uh, spoil my official verdict on this. I think that he does. I think you're right. I think he wears the hearing aid, but I think he uses it to his advantage. Yeah, both are true. Yeah. Okay. So we have now Jerry at the Friars Club, and Jerry is trying to go to eat dinner there with George and with Susan and with this other woman, Hallie. And so is this the first time ever in the history of the show that Jerry's on a date and not wearing a sport coat? Yeah, it is weird, right? Like the one time, who'd think the one time he wears a sport coat, he doesn't wear a jacket. He needed to. I mean, let's go through the whole, the next time around. Let's look at every single date that Jerry goes on that is in a restaurant and see if we can find one time when he's not wearing a sport coat. I think we need Sean Falconer to track this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yet this one time he's not wearing a sport coat. They go someplace. He said, sir, you have to be wearing a jacket. Um, yeah. How convenient. Yes. Yes. Now, when Hallie says to him, how embarrassing for you, did you feel like that things are going well at that point? Is she sort of joking about it? Like enough so that Jerry says to her, like, now you have to pay for your own dinner. She's nagging. Him. Uh, she, she's nagging him. Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, but but yeah, he's like he gives it back to her and she's not like there's no scowl on her face. So I, I do think she's joking. Yeah, she likes it. OK, so we see the conversation taking place between Jerry and George and then the women are talking and we hear Jerry and George talking about two different things here. 
One, George says that he can coach in the NFL. He believes that. We have come to know that this is clearly a Larry David take. Yeah, he's doing the same bit 20 years later, Larry. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, that's my bit. I should do that. I should go on talk shows and talk about that. Although I think his thing is that he could be a defensive, an offensive coordinator, right? He's, mm-hmm. he's tampered down his expectations with age. Yeah. How would George Costanza be as an NFL head coach? Could he win a game? Like if the Browns swapped in Hugh Jackson for George for Jason Alexander slash George Stanza right now. Yes. I Well, they, they'd have the same record, mm-hmm. probably better prospects for the rest of the season. As a Jets fan right now, I would you could settle me on like any any of the core four as the new Jets coach. <laughs> <laughs> Were you that out on Todd Bowles? Uh, yeah, I, I, at least like if you said, like, let's get rid of the defensive coordinator and throw Larry David in there, I'd say fine. Mm hmm. Wow. Yeah, Couldn't this is it. a real quick turnaround with uh, the Todd Balls. I was feeling pretty bullish uh, coming into this season, even two weeks ago. But yeah, this is really not inspiring a lot of confidence. Well, let me ask you a question. All right. So mm-hmm. what about a, a, a baseball team? Because I believe that if I was the manager of a baseball team, I mean, we would win some games. I, I don't believe we would go 0 and 162. What about like an average baseball team with like a respectable manager? They would have gone 81 and 81 with a normal manager. I'm the manager of the baseball team. How many games are we winning? Yeah. So if we're being serious, like uh, a guy off the street would probably go 0 and 16 with the best team in the NFL in football. Unless they have great coordinators. I mean, you could, it it depends who your coordinator. Sure. But then you're not really the coach at a certain point. Like, yeah, if, if you were like calling the plays on offense and, you know, mm-hmm. right, obviously, like, yes, of course, they could limit your exposure and then just do just as well. Mm-hmm. But if you actually had responsibilities and and like, you know, I was the coach and like I had to hire people I knew. So like you were the offensive coordinator and like Mike Bloom was the defensive coordinator. I feel like we're going <laughs> 0 and 6, 0 and 16. All right. How about this? All right. I'm the manager. You're the pitching coach. Yeah. How many games are we winning with this baseball team? Is it? It's an average team. An average team. They were going eighty-one and eighty-one with Terry Collins as the manager. Oh, we're gonna. We would go eighty-two and eighty. We'd actually best <laughs> Terry Collins. <laughs> I mean, the. I mean, here's the thing. Would would Mike the players Williams get the bench coach? Yeah, yeah. he would be a perfect bench coach. <laughs> the, I I think that. Um, I think Antonio Mazar would be a good uh, bullpen catcher. Also, he'd Fine. be like a good bullpen guy. I think. I don't. I I think that. I think. Um, the like would the players get sick of your shtick by the end of the season that's my only question why would they would, get would, sick of it i know i'm just saying because like they they want like a guy who's played the game before you know look i'm new school yeah they don't like the new school guys are you gonna have like an ipad on the bench and like oh yeah you know I have an ipad those games get boring keith <laughs> you wouldn't be like watching mr robot on the bench i, mean, I, I wouldn't watch like, mr robot you really have to give your undivided attention to hey you're watching like, seinfeld episodes Can you I check, check twitter, twitter during the game yeah would you are you like taking suggestions on like which picture to put in next on Twitter? Why not? Yeah, it's a good idea, actually. Kind of. <laughs> I don't know if the I, I think the bench coach should be doing that, though, not the manager. Fine. All right, fine. I'll be the bench coach. You be the manager. Well, I don't want to be the manager. That's time. a lot of responsibility. I'm going to get fired. The bench coach could keep his job if the manager gets fired. <laughs> Say, boy, that bench coach really has a lot of outside the box ideas. I, you know, but I, I, the manager does not do anything, and like as long as the players can tolerate you, I think you're set for, uh, you know, you, you'd be just as good as any of these idiots who, who, you know, don't understand the, you know, idea of bringing your best pitcher in eleven inning playoff game. <laughs> All right. That also the other thing that they're talking about here is that George says that he thought Steve Croft. 
from 60 Minutes is the same guy as in Seals and Croft. Yeah, I don't know. I still don't know what Seals and Croft is. I've never really heard of Steve. I know Steve Croft, uh, that he's from 60 Minutes. And, uh, you know, he's like an older guy now. I mean, he was probably like a uh, in his prime in 96. But Seals and Croft, I don't even know what they sing. The they Summer, summer Breeze. breeze. Yeah. <laughs> So that's good. That's what we should have named our uh, fantasy team in the uh, Rob has a fantasy football league. Uh, Summer Breeze. <laughs> yeah, that's for Paul, the Saints fan. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because we have Breeze. Oh, yeah. I just got that now. Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> At least we have an anthem. Get pumped up. Yeah. For the game. Yeah. We'll, we'll play that uh, next Sunday before we forget to set our lineup again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Summer breeze makes me feel fine, even though I started three guys on a bye. All right. Then. Uh, so we go back to Jerry coming home. He realizes he's still wearing the blazer. Uh Oh, and Kramer is sleeping on his couch. Yeah. How long has Kramer been asleep for here? Oh, probably a couple hours. Yeah. I, I feel like. You know, they, he commits to this during the episode, but I, I don't think he ever once just sleeps for the 18 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so either. And so Kramer is saying that uh, he is going to have a, an idea for a new restaurant. Uh, he feels energized by the way that he's doing this. The restaurant is going to be called uh, PB&J's. It's going to only serve peanut butter and jelly. It's really not a bad idea. It's fine. So what do you get? Like different kinds of jelly, different kind of peanut butter. What do you want? Chunky, creamy, smooth. Mm, I think just PB and J. I don't think I don't think there's any choices. Move the line along. Oh, no, that's it's not. It's not a restaurant. It's not a restaurant. It's a food truck. A food truck. Okay. what are you doing? If there was a food truck outside your office that had PB and J sandwiches that were the best, maybe you have a choice. between. How are they the best? What are you doing? Just the best peanut butter in the world. I don't know. We make our own peanut peanut butter in the world. I mean, yeah, we make our own peanut butter. Yeah, it better be really effing good. How much? How much in LA? How much could you charge for like a really good peanut butter and jelly sandwich from a food truck? I mean, I think that the secret, much like uh, Mike Francesa would tell you about the Shake Shack. Shake I think Shack, it's the bread. Yeah. It's the bread. It's you, the gotta, bread. you get have a PB and J on the Shake Shack bread. That's not a bad idea. Or we make our own bread, but really, it's from Shake Shack. We just say we make our own bread. <laughs> Now we're talking because I think once the bread is so good, you don't even care about the peanut butter and the jelly. Yeah, because a lot of times I'll have PB, peanut butter and jelly and usually it's on the most basic bread imaginable, right? Mm-hmm. It's like on the regular like white bread. And like I'll, you know, you leave the crusts and even more than that once you because like once you right. sort of finish the peanut butter and jelly, there's no reason to finish that white bread. It, it's nothing. And you say you want chunky or you want creamy. What do you, what do you want? We'll have two kinds. I don't know. I like moving the line along. I'm not even sure. We if I'm can't a, even I'm, have chunky and creamy. We can't have two options. What if it's two separate lines? We have like two windows. Here's the chunky, problem. You're going to get these people to the front of the line and they're going to say, oh, is it creamy? I like chunky. Now, what do you do? OK, I, I, I guess. I mean, are they ready made? Or we make it. We're probably they're making ready, them they're fresh. ready made. They're ready made. They're not. We're not making our, our peanut butter and jelly sandwiches fresh. That's kind of we got to make them in front of them. We're making like hey, you got one person in the back. They're making the sandwiches and we're not like like uh, we got to keep the line moving. OK, so then I guess we could have creamy and chunky. Are yeah. we serving drinks also? Yeah. Milk. Just milk. Yeah. And in what form are we giving them carton. like a cup? A carton. Like a like little a, like like like, like a elementary cafeteria. school garden. Yes, yes. It's it's kitschy. Oh yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, and then the logo could have like the milk carton and like the bread with like a bite taken out of it. And and we just call it PB and J's. <laughs> we could do better. Yeah, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, 
All right, we'll think about it. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, what if we call the PB and J's and they ask them? We're like, no, actually, like uh, his name is Paul. My name is uh, you know, Brian, <laughs> and uh, Jay was our friend who was killed in a horrible car accident. <laughs> we're doing it for him. <laughs> we're yes. doing it for Jay. <laughs> All right. So then uh, let's go back to a, a very odd scene of Elaine just like flustered in her office. Uh, what's odd about it? It's just there's no joke here. It really doesn't advance the plot in any way other than Elaine is typing. You think they like cut something out? I think that this was part of yeah something greater that was cut. I think that in the notes about nothing, they spoke about how a lot of things were cut from the episode. And I think this was supposed to be part of something else. Well, one thing about this episode sort of in its favor is that unlike some other recent episodes, there aren't like a lot of like weak like C and D stories. You know, whether you like the stories or not is an, is another um, argument. But like the the Elaine uh, versus Bob, the deaf guy is pretty fleshed out. Jerry's jacket story is, uh, you know, is is like an A story. And Kramer not sleeping for a C story is is, you know, has a lot of scenes and has a lot of exposition to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, George doesn't have a ton to do, really, other than other than postponing the wedding at the beginning of the episode. Um, but so they may have ha- they may have had to squeeze some stuff out, which is why there's three deleted scenes that make the cut of the DVD to begin with. But I think for this scene, it's just showing you how uh, hard she's working, uh, you know, because Bob didn't, you know, didn't agree to do the copy editing for the magazine. OK, so we go to Jerry. He wakes up in the middle of the night. Kramer is getting out at four o'clock in the morning. He's bored. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah, <laughs> I've been on the receiving end of this where like four o'clock in the morning where my like my wife the entire day won't want to talk to me. But there have been times where she can't sleep when she was in like like pre kids, uh, like in better, better moods. Uh, then she would say to me that she was like, just like, like start talking to me at like four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I feel like my wife's done that once or twice, but it's always like. She's trying to like have a serious conversation or something. Like, are you serious? It's like three fifty eight, and you want to talk about like finances yeah. now? Like, what's going? In <laughs> fairness going to on? her, she used to like now she has like a more of a set schedule. And now she's just like exhausted. But when she would work the night shift, she would work like rotating days, so she'd be like on sort of like nighttime schedule. And you know, but I'm like, I, I have to work in like two hours. I I, I don't want to talk to you right now. Yeah, I, it's now it's more of a kids thing. Like my daughter would like. You know, she I like accidentally woke us up at like, you know, 520. Oh, I thought it was like 720 uh, the other day. <laughs> right. Right. All right. So we see Elaine and uh, she is at her office and Jerry comes in and she is giving him the story of Bob, the whole saga about how he seemingly uh, can't hear anytime he gets tasked with something. Um, yeah, I, like it is pretty convenient, but more ridiculous is that no one is just passing who's sitting next to Bob can just yell the message in his ear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although also just to go back to my own life for one second, I do feel like that my wife does do this to me where I'll be like screaming at the top of my lungs, like Nicole, Nicole, Nicole. Uh, she, she, you know, she can't, she can't hear me, but God forbid I say something under my breath about her. Like, what did yeah. you say? Like I heard exactly, exactly what you said. <laughs> Like a very selective hearing from my wife. Yeah, my problem is my wife has super hearing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the door is closed. It's like pretty thick and she'll be outside like a few rooms away when we do this podcast sometimes. And she'll be like, oh, I heard you were, uh, you know, you said something about me. I'm like, how do you, you were in the kitchen? How do you hear that? That's mm-hmm. like insanely far, you know, but uh, she has uh, she has uh, like perfect hearing. Wow. 
Super hearing. Yeah. To make up for her amazing judgment. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, Bob pokes his head in and Elaine says, could you give me a hand with something? And then he acts like he can't hear and he's going to go have lunch with Mr. Peterman. And so Jerry uh, gets the whole download on this. And we so Jerry follows Bob into the restroom. And I guess Jerry is trying to test Bob. I thought at first that Jerry just didn't want to use the urinal next to Bob. Yeah, well, that's different type of humor to be mine, for sure. That you, you can't even fully tell that that's a second urinal. It's sort of like a weird angle, right? Mm-hmm. But if it is, it's very close. I feel like yeah. that's a little too... Yeah. You know, the even-numbered urinals, like anyone, no, no one who's ever used the urinal has built an even number of urinals in an office, right? Because <laughs> you have to have the odd number. Because if you have three, then you can use the one and the three and leave the two open, mm. right? Yeah. I used to work in an office that had a two. Uh, yeah, and, and do people, like, would someone saddle up next to you? Uh, yeah, it would happen. Yeah, I used to, and, and that, like, my my boss would be like, like, uh, like, oh, come on, let's go pee. Let's go. I was like, I, 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 no, thank you. <laughs> was it a pee party? Yeah. He's like, come on, let's go. He, he like, would like to talk to people. Like at the same time that he was going. But we, we, I mean, what about so if so if you come into the bathroom and someone's already at the urinal, do you do you go next to them or do you like, all right, I'll give it like the awkward 15 seconds, maybe pretend to like wash my hands first or something. Yeah, I to would buy myself. <laughs> I would. That's me. But no, this is not the case. And and like so if he brings you into the bathroom, you also have to like pee next to him. It's not. Uh, yeah. And have like a conversation at the same time. Yeah. I mean, that's not so bad, I guess. I guess so. <laughs> but I don't know. That's not my cup of tea. But let's go to what Jerry tries to do. And he's like, uh, like, a, Bob, hey, Bob, Bob, Bob. I mean, I think that this is pretty clear evidence. I mean, Bob, I did not think flinched or turned around or looked at Jerry and like, hey, man, what's going on? Yeah, there's no better time to to get someone to flinch when you're like right behind them at a urinal. Mm-hmm. Like if he could hear it all, he for sure would have flinched. Yeah, I think that this is really exhibit A in the innocence of Bob here. I mean, Bob has a lot of problems and he's kind of a creeper and we'll get to that later on. But I do believe that he is not exaggerating because I, I feel like that in my own experience and I don't have a lot of deaf people in my life that I've interacted with other than my friend Christy Smith, who that if she couldn't read your lips, she even though she wore a hearing aid, if she could see what you were saying also, then, you know, she'd be able to like get what you're saying and everything. But if she wasn't able to see you to have that in addition to wearing the hearing aid, then it was very hard for her to get what you're saying. Uh, yeah, I, I, I when you said you never have a lot of experience, I thought you meant you didn't have a lot of urinal experience. I was going to ask what you're talking about. <laughs> That's uh, you know, uh, <sighs> Yeah, I mean, back to the urinal thing The the uh, Rob Schneider, they said like act natural when you're at the urinal and he acts like he's never been in a urinal before. Yeah. <laughs> you see what he's doing? He's like he's moving his head in like a in like a 360 degree circle. He doesn't know what to he's, do. He doesn't know what to do. No, himself. he's making crazy faces. I don't yeah. know what's going on. I think that he's probably acting for SNL like you would. And this is not SNL where it's like, hey, it's a live show. You can't have anything boring happening for too long. And I think that he is not realizing that, you know, he's a straight man here. Right. So, yeah, no, he. Yeah, it's not his job to uh, to bring the last in this thing. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I got to be funny here. This is, you know, 23 million people are watching this. Got to be funny. Got to be funny. probably you know, more than that. The 33 million people are watching this. Yeah. So he's bad at fake peeing. <laughs> funny urinal action coming up. All right. So Jerry goes back to Elaine and he's like, OK, uh, I did a test for Bob 
And basically, uh, he's got nothing. He sort of flinched. <laughs> he sort of flinched. All right. So you don't have anything. Yeah, pretty much. All right. Good work. All right. So then we go back to uh, Jerry's apartment. Here comes George. And they're talking about how like, hey, that was something that date. That was great. And then uh, we do get that. Jerry's like, well, I really didn't talk to her that much. <laughs> yeah, they didn't make a big deal out of it. But like in the scene and there's a deleted scene where like uh, Pat Cooper comes over to them to sort of establish that, you know, him sponsoring Jerry Moore. Mm -hmm. And but, you know, it's really two conversations, the boys talking and the women talking, and they don't really like mention it after. But, it, you know, there's there's no like crosstalk at all between the guys and the ladies. You know, lots of Friars Club politics in this episode that ultimately didn't make the cut. Yeah, there's a joke where where Pat Cooper comes over. He talks to them and then he leaves and they say, who is he? Uh, and and Jerry says uh, he used to be a comedian, and that gets like a big laugh. But uh, I mean, you know, sick burn, Pat Cooper. Yeah, he nailed Cooper. <laughs> Coop. <laughs> I think he used to call the Stern Show a lot, Pat Cooper. Really? I think so. I mean, you you saying his name in in uh, the past tense? He's still with us. Oh well, that he still used to call that. I don't think he calls the Stern Show anymore. Uh, was he in the Whack Pack, or he was like above the Whack Pack? <laughs> he wasn't in the Whack Pack. I feel uh, like now at like 87, he would be in the whack pack, though. <laughs> I guess By the way, Pat, Pat Cooper's real name, uh, Pasquale Caputo. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I guess that, that he used to call in Howard Stern a lot and then they, they got into a feud. And now uh, I just did a quick Google search of uh, Howard Stern and uh, Pat Cooper. And like one of the top things is uh, on Opie and Anthony, Pat Cooper attacked Howard Stern for an hour recently, trashing him. I don't even think there is an Opie and Anthony anymore. That's to be old. <laughs> That's how old it is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we find out that, okay, so the jacket is missing. We can't find the jacket anymore. And Kramer comes in and it turns out that Kramer was wearing the jacket in the middle of the night. And then he fell asleep in a pile of garbage and then he had to have it dry cleaned. Yeah. And again, we don't know. Like that could also be a similar scenario where like, someone threw him in the pile of garbage and he just didn't realize mm -hmm. yeah who knows and then uh we see that kramer starts to uh fall asleep again uh yeah i, I mean i don't it's not totally clear from the episode why he doesn't just abandon this at a certain point no it really never it's, works it's working him. good it's working good he's got a lot of a lot of good ideas we also find out that jerry and george got tickets to go see the santos brothers which uh what now who are these guys really what, what's the, what's the real act? They're really the flying Karamazov brothers. Okay. And that's like a big thing. Yeah. I mean, that's like, I've heard of the Karamazovs. Are they still performing? Uh, are they still with us? I believe they're still with us. Uh, you know, I don't know how, like if, if that's their act, the, the act in the show, I'm not sure how, you know, popular <laughs> they are, but enough, enough that I've like heard of them and stuff. Yeah. Boy, they're they a juggling and comedy troupe that have been uh, performing since 73 okay so there you go and so we'll we'll get into that in a, a little bit so elaine back at the office that she's sort of like uh over bob's shoulder she's like oh i want you bob uh, again thirsty elaine back here in season seven uh you're so sexy bob does not turn around well fake thirsty elaine here fake thirsty elaine yes yes okay so uh yeah bob is not able to uh turn around and there's uh no way for them to tell if a bob was actually picking up Elaine's uh what she was putting down though at the show then he's yes. very forward with her right which would lead you to believe that he heard what she said but again they leave it very 50 50 right right 
So I don't know. That's very, that's very tricky. All right. So we end up seeing the double date. They're in the balcony and they're saying, oh, this is great. Or we're just like Lincoln. Let's hope this goes better. And uh, the show is about to start. They do a really good job here the first time around. We see like the full audience. And I guess that this was filmed, I guess, at the Orpheum Theater out here in Los Angeles. And they do a good job of packing the house. Although I feel that later on in the episode, I think they kind of half-ass it for the scene with Elaine and Bob. Yeah, there's even a quick take before the show starts the first time where it looks like the theater is empty. So <laughs> yeah. it's, they're up and down, really. <laughs> but they do a good job for this. Okay. And then uh, we end up seeing Kramer with this new woman that he's seeing. Apparently, she has a thing she doesn't like to ever go out. That's not really ever explained other than maybe she has a criminal record. And maybe that's why she needs to always stay inside. She wants uh, Kramer suggests going to a movie. She wants to stay in. Kramer acts like a really bizarre as she's like putting the moves on him. Uh, that he's like, uh, like, oh, this is like uh, some risky business. Uh, I mean, she doesn't. She no, we know why she doesn't want to leave the house because she's cheating on her husband. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, we don't know at the time, but when she makes the call in the later scene, yeah, uh, it's because she, you know, she doesn't want to be seen by Joey. Yeah, Kramer says uh, this is uh, some risky business, huh? I'm all a Twitter. He's well ahead of his time. Although, ironically, I believe Michael Richards is not a Twitter. Oh, he's not a Twitter. I think he's the only one of the core four who's not on Twitter. Wow. Look at him. And probably for the best. Probably for the best. <laughs> I don't think best. he would have dealt well with the trolls. <laughs> no, I don't think so. All right. So we get the whole show going on and they're going to do a trick. And then the the Karamazov brothers or the or the Santos brothers the Omir Santos brothers, they end up like all standing on each other's shoulders and then they do a trick and they say, Jerry, can we have your jacket? And then they throw the jacket into the crowd. I do like the like standing up, you know, four guys on top of each other move. Okay, that's good. But why? Well, I mean, what is it, that? It made sense in the alleged plot where they were just trying to steal the jacket. So one of the Santos brothers was able to go to Friars Club. Like that made more sense than how this ultimately plays out. Uh, I don't, they just do like, I don't know, maybe they're more comedians than, uh, than like magicians. Is that it? Well, then why is that funny? I don't know. They're just like kitschy. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm looking at their Wikipedia page and it doesn't sound like too exciting. <laughs> they like if you said like, hey, I've got I've got tickets to the Karamazov brothers. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're free. I'm pretty yes. sure I'm still passing. Right. Like it's in your living room, Akiva. I'm still probably not going there. Yeah, no, it's great. They take your suit jacket and then they throw it in the garbage. Well, not the garbage. They Unless <laughs> yeah. that's what you call that, that guy in the first row <laughs> that caught it. Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know exactly how this uh, ultimately goes, but then um, that's it. And so Jerry's suit jacket is uh, down in the crowd and has a hard time. Like what? I mean, you would think it'd be pretty easy to go retrieve after the show, right? Um, yeah, it's weird that he didn't sort of track it from like that second. Mm -hmm. Like even if there was an intermission, he should have gone down and gotten the jacket from the dude. Right. Like it's not like, oh, the show is so good. I can't walk away from my seat. Right. And I'm surprised he didn't just like say, hey, George, you're wearing a suit jacket. You know, give give them your jacket. Forget about this one. This <laughs> isn't mine. Yeah. All right. So uh, we go back to Kramer and he's making out with the woman and he passes out and she calls up the phone and says, uh, there's a guy and he's dead. 
Now, Tommy, Tommy isn't her husband, though. Tommy is like probably her brother or, or like an ex-boyfriend or something. Something like that. Wow, an ex-boyfriend. She really keeps uh, close ties. Listen, I don't know much about this Connie. Yeah. All right. So we end up with uh, Jerry. They're backstage and they're sort of like excited to be backstage at the Sandoz Brothers show, even though we're, you know, they've been backstage on much bigger shows than this, I would imagine. Right. Like last week they were on Jay Leno. I mean, this is also like the dirtiest backstage I've ever seen. <laughs> like they did not spend a lot of time, you know, making the, uh, you know, this seem like very glamorous. Yeah. Okay. So we end up with then Jerry is asking, hey, uh, you threw my jacket on. And uh, one of the Sandoz brothers uh, says, uh, what jacket? Yeah. I mean, we, we always talk about like who are the worst people we've encountered. Mm-hmm. These flying Sandoz are, are in the top five. Like they steal his jacket. They take no responsibility. They show no remorse. Yes, they like, I guess behind the scenes, we're getting it dry cleaned, but uh, they're terrible. Right. So you feel like they had something to do with the dry cleaning or was it the theater that took care of it? Oh, yeah. It's not totally clear. Like she kind of takes credit for it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the Hannah does like it's not clear. I also I don't know why, like how they're allowed back to just go to the talent, I guess, because Hannah's how like how is Hannah connected to the show? That's not clear either. Uh, Hallie, there's an, Hallie. Sorry. Who's Hannah? Oh, Hannah's uh, Hannah's uh, <laughs> who's who's Hannah? The person that Chester is, is not happy with on Twitter. Oh. No, the um, no, Hannah. I, I just I guess my notes just say Hannah the whole time. Um, I don't know. I the, like and also you don't go to the talent like the talent doesn't deal with stuff like that. There's like no theater manager or anything like that. Yeah. The, you know, like in the whole theater that could that could help you out. Kind of crazy. Yeah. All right. So George is like, ah, forget about this jacket. Let's just go out for coffee. And Jerry is not that interested. He does that. He's he's souring. I could see it. She, uh, you know, uh, like as much as I could blame the Sando brothers for not caring. Like, it's not, you know, all right, they're just jerks. Like, Hannah, it's her responsibility. She is, like, ostensibly his girlfriend. And, you know, she's not concerned, you know. So I, I can see why Jerry is not is not into Hannah anymore. Mm-hmm. I keep call, I'm going to call her Hannah the rest of the way. If that's, that's fine. Okay. That's fine. Nobody cares. Nobody, nobody will be upset. And so that we see George and Susan at Monks. And I have enjoyed this season, the George and Susan alone scenes at different places. It's always funny to me. George is openly in this episode, like... Uh, you know, like everything is great, except like, except for the, you know, the only thing could be better is if like I didn't get married. He's like, he's not just like dreading the marriage. He's openly talking about how like it's going to ruin his life, basically. <laughs> uh, you know, any investigator worth their salt, who, you know, who clearly should have looked into, uh, you know, the, the uh, envelopes thing we're going to see in a few weeks would, would find, uh, you know, a very suspicious George Costanza. Yeah. And apparently George broke a shoelace and Susan is going to get him some new ones. It happens to be one of the most annoying things. Like I have like uh, sneakers and like they have like unique shoelaces and like I, I just like it's not in the shoe anymore. I don't know where it went. And now it's going to be like hours of my time trying to like find the shoelace online. And so I sort of empathize with them here. So then we see Jerry going back into his apartment and he sees some guys carrying out a body bag out of Kramer's apartment. Do you feel like that Jerry should say something here? Um, no, because I think I think Jerry's policy is like, don't ask, don't tell with with Kramer, you know, mm-hmm. so like there's no reason to think this is a human being in the body. And even if it is, it's probably like a, a like a more jokey type thing than like a murder or attempted murder. But yet so Kramer is not one of the people who's helping move the body. I mean, that as Kramer's longtime friend, doesn't he owe it to him to say, 
hey, where's Kramer? I guess, but I feel like any minute he has without Kramer, he, it's like you when your kids are asleep, you know? Mm-hmm. You're not going to be like, hey, let me wake up my son and play with him. He's like, you should be up by now. You know? Yet, if some hooligans were coming out of, uh, you know, a room in my house. <laughs> sure. With, with a, a person-shaped uh, bag. <laughs> right. I'd ask some questions. You'd you'd at least say like, "Hey, what's up, guys?" What, what's yeah, up? yeah. I think I'd ask. You some might questions. take the you might take the word for it if they said like, "Yeah, oh, nothing." Yeah, but you'd at least ask. Right. All right. So we see these toughs, these street toughs. Uh, they end up pulling up to the pier and they throw the body bag into the river. And uh, Michael Richards has a very impressive scene where he comes out of the bag and swims to the top. Did you watch the inside look? Yeah. Uh, what explaining what, how he does this? Yeah. How they pull off the stunt. Yeah. I also like the boat. Like he almost gets killed by the boat in this scene. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Michael Richards, he did not want to have like any scuba gear or anything like that. He just wanted to, you know, as is always told. And maybe some of these stories are somewhat apocryphal. Then, uh, you know, Michael Richards always wants to do things the real way. He's a method actor. Method actor. All right. So Elaine is there with Peterman back at work. And Peterman says, Elaine, you need to go to see the Santos brothers with Bob. Uh, yeah. You know, very strange, like set two of your uh, employees on it up on a date together. But I guess, you know, she heard him talking about it. So, <laughs> yeah. And well, you know. he knows Elaine would not be so cruel as to toy with someone with a handicap. Yeah, that would be ground, uh, immediate grounds for dismissal. Mm. <laughs> yeah. All right. In the in the deleted scene, he he does like a two minute like, uh, you know, classic Peterman, like, you know, went to the West Andes and found some, you know, blue scarf and like nonsense that they cut out. Yeah. They showed the whole thing on the inside look where you could see it. And uh, Peterman was very upset that they cut it. Oh, really? That's, yes. Uh, I like First of all, the guest star should not have opinions on what gets cut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like uh, all the scenes with me and it should still be in the episode. All right. right. If I so, was the editor, I would. I, I, my only my only comment would be more O'Hurley. <laughs> All right. So Jerry is back at his apartment with George and he's very upset about the whole thing because he finds out it's going to cost eight hundred dollars to replace the Friars Club jacket. Keith, does that sound exorbitantly high to you? Yeah. Is it like fifty dollars for the jacket and seven hundred fifty dollars for the insignia? Like, I don't get it. I have no idea. That is that seems really outrageous. I mean, that in in today's money, what is that going to be like? Thirteen hundred dollars, fourteen hundred dollars. Well, I'm not, I don't think they're saying that if you needed to if you wanted to buy one, it's eight hundred dollars. I think they're saying like, uh, you know, there's a ludicrously high replacement fee to discourage you from accidentally taking it out of the restaurant or ruining it or whatever. Mm hmm. So. We end up finding out also that Jerry is a little turned off with Hallie slash Hannah and he's soured. He didn't think she cared that much about the jacket. He's not going to desour. He's not going to desour. And George says not only does he need to desour, he needs to sweeten. Uh, yeah, it's hard to desour. Honestly, once you're once you're once you're soured, it's very hard to desour. Have you really ever desoured like from somebody? Uh, mm, I, I've ne- I mean, I'm just so indifferent towards everyone. I'm not I'm not soured or sweetened on anybody. I desour. <laughs> yeah, do you? Yeah, I get worked up. And I say, ah, okay. I like them again. I mean, I'd say like if you listen to the whole of this uh, podcast series, we, you know, we're constantly souring and desouring on the Mets. Mm-hmm. But like for people, I don't care. Yeah. I'm over everything. My wife does not desour. Once she soured, it's over. Once she sours, 
That's it. There's no, no so coming you're, back. <laughs> so you're in for like a lifetime. There's of, no coming of, back. Once she sours on somebody, they could be great for five years and they do one thing. She's like, I knew it. I knew the whole time. That's <laughs> why you I have sour. Do you hear about that one thing you did bad often or no? <laughs> uh, you know what? No, luckily she that with me. I feel like that she's like uh, I, I don't do that much wrong, Keith. That's why it's good. Yeah, that's short good. Memory. Yeah, you don't do anything wrong. That's good. <laughs> or I do so much wrong, she just can't keep track of it. I was thinking like this year. You know, we just had like the. You know, we're in the the uh, like the ten days of repentance. You gotta uh, atone for your sins. Uh, and so we had Rosh Hashanah. We have Yom Kippur next week, right? Yeah. Uh, and I feel like this was the first year where I was like, uh, I'm pretty good. I don't think I did anything wrong this year. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I was, I was I was pretty good. <laughs> All right. So Kramer comes in and he's very upset. He says, "Hey, this woman tried to kill me." Uh, it, like, how does he know? I'm very curious. Like, at what point? Like, he knows he woke up in like you know he he went to sleep so to speak with uh with with uh with Connie there and he woke up in the river how does he know that she tried to kill him i don't know that he's just assuming that this was all plot she must have slipped him something there's no way that he could have been that tired right but also like he already fell asleep in a garbage earlier this week so mm-hmm. it's you know yeah like maybe maybe she left cuz he fell asleep and then he spa- you know he slept walked or something <laughs> all right so back at the friars club Jerry and George, they come in and uh, they're talking about like, hey, there's Uncle Milty. There's uh, so they're really setting the stage. And here comes Pat Cooper. And he's upset with Jerry. Pat Cooper. Like it's it's not really comics name, right? It's more of like a rock star name. Oh, really? Like Alice Cooper? Yeah, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> like that's why he never really made it. Pat Cooper. I feel he should have he should have kept it at Pasquale Caputo. It's a better, that's a good name. <laughs> that's a good name. And so that, you know, he's like making fun. He's basically like roasting Jerry when uh, Jerry is talking about how like, oh, I just forgot it. And he's like, forgot it. What are you, a kleptomaniac? The gypsies took it. The gypsies took it. And yeah, he's like, yeah, there's a gypsy all over the place. And then I like when he says to George, excuse me, are you an entertainer? Are you in show business? And he says, no. He says, well, what am I talking to you for? The only people who talk about the word show business are like old school comedians. Yeah, I think so. Like Don Rickles is the only guy left who like would unironically use the word show business. Mm-hmm. Jackie Mason. Yeah. All good. All good. So that George says, hey, there's the guy from the show. He's wearing the jacket. So so what's going on here? We find out later that this is not the jacket, right? It's not, not- the the Friars Club jacket. So is this guy wearing like some knockoff jacket and then happening to be going to the Friars Club? Yeah, the brothers Sandow, you know, they just happen to have a very similar looking jacket to the Friars Club. And wear it too? Okay, he's there for dinner, meaning he's familiar with it. So maybe they're like, oh, that's cool. Let's make up our own jacket, you know, to show that we're in this like, you know, special club of the flying whatever brothers. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then he wore it there, which is, I guess, too on the nose to wear your jacket to the place where they have identical looking jackets. But he's got to wear a jacket anyway. How many jackets do you think this guy has? It's not like he's rich. He performs in a studio that they give him. They give all five of them one tiny, dirty dressing room, you know? Mm-hmm. Wow. How successful can he be? All right. <laughs> well, then uh, we end up seeing Jerry and George escorted out of the Friars Club there. They're not welcome there anymore. Uh. Yeah, because they're not in show business. Not in show business. And even though George wrote a pilot for NBC. But uh, Bob and Elaine are at the show. And I think this theater looks like it's completely empty. But, I mean, there are people sitting behind Elaine and Bob. Uh, 
by the way, is reality TV show business? Uh, for who? The people on the TV. No. The people who make the show. Yes. So that's interesting. Yeah. What's the difference? One is being paid by a network. Okay. <laughs> the other is well, being the guy asked- wins a million dollars on Survivor is being paid by a network. Yeah, but he's not. But he's winning really a game show. show business. Like, okay. right. like the guy yeah. wins Jeopardy is not in show business unless he's like <laughs> <Ken> Jennings. <laughs> right. Right. If your career in show business really depends on you not getting voted out of the tribe, you're not in show business. Well, isn't that all show business? Like someone's <laughs> got to go every week. Um, what about people who podcast about reality TV? Are they in show business? Definitely not. Okay. Just job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fine line, Keeve. Uh I, I feel like you're so close to show business. So close. Show business adjacent, <laughs> perhaps. But next, you know how like you you know, like your parents' friends or something, like old people ask you what you do mm-hmm. and it's too complicated to explain podcasting. And they say, Oh, uh, what channel is that podcast on? Sure. I want you next time someone asks you what you do, tell them you're in show business. I'll tell them I'm show business adjacent. Uh, but say the word adjacent, and they'll just never ask you a follow-up because they'll think you're insane. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. That's good. All right. So Elaine and Bob are together and uh, Bob is like, hey, these seats are fantastic. And then Bob just goes for it with Elaine in this uh, private theater box. Keeve, is this over the line? Is this disconcerting to you? It's too strong a move. I mean, we don't like maybe we don't know what's going on here. Maybe we don't have such game. But like this seems like a very aggressive move. Unless he heard what Elaine said, mm-hmm. if he didn't hear what Elaine said, this is too over the top. If he's coming to the to the play, assuming one that he probably doesn't know that Peterman forced Elaine to take him, right? He probably thinks that Elaine asked him to go. Yeah, and two, Elaine kind of just hit on him, like you know, pretty forcefully at work. I see why he thinks that something might happen at the theater. So this would lead credence to the theory that he uh, did hear her and maybe can hear a lot more than he's letting on. Let me present another theory. Peterman heard Elaine. Peterman has taken a liking to Bob. Isn't it possible that when Peterman tells Bob that he's got tickets, by the way, Bob, (laughs) Elaine's taken a real liking to you. I would just go for it. Once you get in there, once the lights go down, you know, she'll be unable to resist your charm, Bob. Yeah, make them first move. Stop short. Yeah, I think so. I think you might be right. I, it's not beyond Peter, Peterman to uh, give give uh, Bob the green light with Elaine here. <laughs> I think so. I think so. And I was like, believe me, I heard the things that she was saying to you, Bob. Like, uh, <laughs> she is ready. She, it's season w- <laughs> seven, Thirsty Elaine. Trust yeah, me. I would... <laughs> I would not have said some of those things in a Malaysian jungle. <laughs> in a Malaysian brothel. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> so I, that's what I think happened. I think Bob cannot hear if he, he if he has to, you know, and again, these people are like kind of far away. So maybe he's not getting it if they, he like, uh, maybe, you know, maybe he needs glasses, too. Also, there's not a private booth like anyone can look up and see you guys. Yeah. Well, it's dark. Yeah, but he's not blind, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> so all right they're backstage and so jerry is now uh just basically like he's like running off with the jacket from like, what did they do they still snuck in the dressing room um did they no i no she gave she uh gives him the jacket that she dry cleaned mm-hmm. oh you mean the first jacket that they that they take from the guy they yeah. rip it out of his hands yeah okay they rip so, the wrong jacket They've got the they've got a jacket and then they're getting chased and then uh, they end up with seeing 
uh, Hallie, who has the real jacket, and she sees them, and it's a whole big debacle, Keith. Uh, it's hard to really get too upset. This isn't like Jerry stealing the bobka or anything. It, you know, uh, the rye bread, sorry. The, it's hard to... Um, like they have a very, you know, it ninety nine point nine percent. This is the jacket, right? They have no reason to think that the brothers uh, Sandev w- have identical jackets, especially considering they know that they owe him a jacket, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they were total jerks about it. So it's not like they said, "Hey, you'll get it back. Don't worry about it." Yeah, the the whole thing is just so bizarre. Why why is this guy going ahead and wearing an identical jacket to the Friars Club to sneak in, and then he threw a Friars Club jacket on the grounds for no reason? Uh, yeah, it, it's kind of insane. But I, I like I, I have to blame the brothers a little a little bit at least for poor communication. <laughs> yeah, not a good job by them. And so, meanwhile. Bob is gone now. I don't know where Bob went. And so uh, I guess he went to the bathroom or something. And then Elaine I think, he like, on- I think he like took a walk of shame out of the whole place. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe Elaine had to like mace him to get him off of her. And so that he's gone and she tries on the hearing aid. And then Jerry and George are getting chased and they run out the fire alarm and the, or the door that sits off the fire alarm. And then it really hurts Elaine's ears, the hearing aid. Uh, yeah, it's like painful even for the listener. It's uh, it's very loud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the end of the episode. Well, there's a tag. after. Yeah. And then the tag and then the tag happens. And then basically uh, we end up seeing that Kramer goes with the police to go and arrest Connie, because that's usually what they have them do. Like the victim of a crime accompanies the police as they go and try to apprehend Always. the suspect. No question. <laughs> I was the only time I ever like had any involvement with the police. I guess in my life was like the my brother in law had like this insane downstairs neighbor. And she used to like I think I've said this before, like she used to play music. She would leave her apartment and blast music. Uh, at the top of like the the highest level of speaker on on her ceiling, so it would like make the floor shake in the house. Anyway, like one time she came up and she like started breaking the door. So we called the police, and like one of their conditions was like you're not even allowed to be on her, the floor that she's on while we do this. Mm-hmm. And actually, no, another time we uh, I left my kid's stroller in the park, not with a kid in it, uh, on the Lower East Side. Yeah, and they found on videotape. Um, they found a guy who took the stroller like a like a like an emotionally disturbed person took the stroller and like put his like babies in or something. It was like a 60 year old guy, but he was not well. Um, and, and they they caught, you know, we watched it on the tape and they would not let us come up with them. The police did not let us uh, go up like they said, like, we won't go up if you're there because it could be an incident. So they're very careful. Oh, my God. About separating about separating the parties. That sounds uh, we terrifying. Didn't get, we didn't we didn't get the stroller back. But the, the guy's brother who lived with him gave us uh 300 bucks not to uh it wasn't the police it was the like the sec- it was the security for the for the co-op so he gave us 300 bucks not to call the police mm, yeah all right so then the woman before she gets taken away by the police you know that they it, you know there's no like reading of rights or anything like that uh, she says hey i need to go call my lawyer that which is, i i don't believe they give you like your one phone call uh, before they even take you to the police station but uh that's what she does and she calls up her lawyer and it's Jackie Childs, and uh, she says, "Hey, uh, this guy Kramer. Like, uh, it's it's so bizarre that she says to him, like, oh, hey, they're arresting me for attempted murder.' And uh, Jackie Childs says, "Attempted murder of who?" And she's like, "Oh, this guy Kramer." 
Uh, and then Jackie Child says, oh, Kramer, I want nothing to do with it. Uh, what, what do you think is weird about that? That there's he should at least ask for a full name like he knows that you got to avoid the Kramer cases with a 50 foot pole. Well, I guess so. I mean, I'm, I'm just wondering if somebody told me that I'm being arrested for attempted murder. Uh, you wouldn't say of who for of who? I guess so. as, I if, guess I as if there was a chance you'd know the person. <laughs> uh, actually, Jackie, it's your cousin. Like, what's, what's she going to say? Yeah, but I mean, um, if if I knew I, but you, it, I think the answer might be more of a. Like, is it your ex-boyfriend? Is it your current boyfriend? That sort of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. It's not that big a deal. All right. Keeve, let's start to grade out the Friars Club. All right. I guess uh, let's start with Jerry and the jacket, the titular Friars Club jacket. Um. So Jerry's jacket storyline, I, I think it's a B plus. I don't like I don't love the brothers. I, I kind of like the scene where they just take the jacket and fling into the crowd. That's pretty funny. Um, you know, Jerry also has the second storyline with with Hannah or whatever her name is mm-hmm. that uh, that goes nowhere. Really, uh, it's not not funny. It's just like kind of eh. Uh, so that's a B. Yeah, I'll give it a C. I feel like it was a whole lot of nothing, Keeve. Okay. Yeah, not a lot going on here with this Friars Club jacket. Uh, what about George? And really, his whole thing is that he wants Jerry to be double dating with uh, Susan's friend. It's actually probably the episode, maybe this entire season where George has had the least to do. Yeah, in my notes, I just I write like the initials for names. I write like E, K, you know, uh, G, S for Susan. Uh, and I don't see George's name in about a 15 scene stretch. So mm-hmm. he's not a lot of George in this. So I'll give him an incomplete almost. Yeah, almost an incomplete. And I guess if you were going to grade him out, probably a C. I think that the more George, the more George centric the episode is, I think that probably the better overall episode. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm not going to do the math on that, but I, I'm going to take your word for it. I think All right, it we'll have, right. have to ask Falconer if we can uh, figure that one out. All right. What about Kramer with the Da Vinci sleep? Yeah, I think it's a it's like a funny little concept. I think him being thrown in the ocean is a really good scene. So yeah. I'll give that an A minus. Yeah, I think I'll probably give it a B, not quite as high on it. But whatever the level below iconic is, it's certainly a memorable Kramer storyline, the Da Vinci sleep. Yeah. And what about Elaine with Bob, with Rob Schneider post SNL? Again, very funny idea. I think a little funnier the first time you see it. Uh, I'll give that a B. Yeah, and I'll give it a C because I feel like that it was not one of these things where we come away from it really having us, you know, like this could just be a person with a disability. I, I don't know if necessarily we got like a really funny take on this. Right. And and they left it up in the air instead of answering the question in the final scene one way or the other. Yeah. And that's fine. We don't need to necessarily have closure, but I, I don't know. I, I did not love the uh, Rob Schneider. You know, is he just, is he deaf or is he trying to get out of work? Also, Rob Schneider is like such a, like, uh, you know, I don't want to say like such a hilarious, talented actor, but he is like, He's, you know, he He's was wacky. on SNL like, yeah, like they could have you could definitely mine Rob Schneider for more gold than having him be the straight man. Yeah. All right, Keeve. So overall, the big question is, did Friars Club crack the top 100? I'll say no. Uh, where, what's your guess? What's your number guess, guess? But it's right there. I'm going to guess 105. Yeah, 112. Actually, pretty well, good guess. Right around there. All right. Good stuff, Keeve. Uh, let's talk mailbag. Of course, Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com is where you can email the show every week and we do appreciate your feedback and star ratings boy it's been forever since i feel like that we really made a big push to get into the itunes top 100 
Um, yeah. Do, do you want to make that push now? <laughs> well, I don't know necessarily. Like, I don't, I don't want to make that push and then it doesn't happen. Then we wasted our big push. But it would be nice if the listeners of this podcast could. We don't ask for much. Well, how do they get us there? Go to postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes to get to our page on the iTunes store. And we do appreciate your feedback and your star ratings, especially when it's good feedback. That's what we appreciate most. Yeah, we definitely don't appreciate bad feedback. <laughs> I mean, that uh, we're not saying don't do it, but I'm just saying we don't appreciate it that much. I kind of appreciate If you had like constructive things to say, give us five stars and then say the constructive thing in the comment. How about that? In the that? comment. That's fine. That's fine. Split, that's, that, we split the baby that. in half. Let's yeah. Split the bicycle in half. All right. So let's get into our Seinfeld mailbag. Uh, busy mailbag this week, Keeve? Uh Yeah, we got a lot of, uh, a lot of you know, we, 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 you know, what we're really getting is a lot of new regulars, new regulars. Yeah. Like who are, you know, really coming up for like the third or fourth time in a row. And at that point you become a, you know, you, a regular, you get, you get like a spot in the mailbag. You get a nickname. Yes. Uh, Johnny Desfair wants to know as per Jerry's opening standup, any recent crazy dreams by either of you? No, I don't remember any of my dreams. What about yeah. you? Yeah. Again, I don't think I sleep enough to dream. I talked about it when it happened. That's a uh, humble brag, by yeah. the way. That's that's a yeah. humble brag. <laughs> I talked about it when it had happened uh, the, at the time about how I had dreamt that uh, Bernie Sanders had uh, came to my house and I was yes. talking to him about some different stuff. And I also had a dream where Ted Cruz, I think, came by my house at one point also. But uh, none of these. Was that a dream I, or a nightmare? No, it was. A, I haven't had a Hillary or Trump dream yet. What about a Mike Pence dream? Any Mike Pence dreams? No, no, no Mike Pence dreams. Not so, they're not interesting. The VPs are not interesting enough to get into your dreams. I don't think. I guess not. I guess not. So unfortunately, yeah, no, nothing super interesting. And I don't really have too many dreams where I'm podcasting or anything like that. No, no. You got to separate like the work from the you know it's too boring. Business too boring. Pleasure. I probably wouldn't even remember. Podcasting is boring. Podcasting. I dr- dreaming about podcasting is boring. What if it's like, you know, you get like Obama on like uh, on like the voicemails next week? <sighs> I feel like I probably <laughs> did have a dream like that. Something like some, you know, some sort of a dream where I had like a big uh, like a big guest and then probably funny, had like like, equipment like, failures. Yeah, that's like, your, yeah, you we, know, you forgot your homework type dream. Totally. You forget to you forget to record it. We had like no one would believe you, you had like George Clooney do like a Big Brother recap. And then you forgot to press play on it. Yeah. The one recurring nightmare that I have, and not really really nightmare, is always like, oh, there is some sort of a problem with your, uh, with your, you're like, you're like 10 credits short of graduating college. You have to go back to college for a semester. Wait, you realize you would not have to go back to college, right? I'm just telling you, this is the dream that I've probably had 30 times in my life where. It's like, oh, I have to go back to Oswego for like six months. <laughs> First of all, that wouldn't be that I bad. I, feel, I, I, I just wouldn't. It just feels like such a step backwards in my life with all due respect to the great State University of New York at Oswego. Mm-hmm. Number it one, just, it would be fun. It would be fun. I wouldn't know anybody. I feel like it would, OK, you you know, you'd but you'd like you'd be it would be relaxing. You know, you'd be there by yourself. Wife and kids would come visit a couple of times. You'd go back, visit once or twice. It wouldn't be. Yeah, it would be weird to be like a 35 year old guy back at college i don't think it would be fun keith i think as a married <laughs> guy in his 30s i think anything that was fun about college i think i probably cannot do now either morally or legally i i and and second of all you're a professional podcaster you do not need the college degree you realize. so <laughs> if if oswego calls up today and says hey rob you are indeed 10 credits short 
<laughs> it literally does not affect your life. I don't like, know why I have this dream. I'm just telling you that this is like the recurring nightmare that I have. Even, you know, no matter what you end up doing based on the track that you're on, you do not actually need your college degree from here to forth unless you're mm-hmm. going to graduate school. And I don't think you're doing that. So okay. now I think no. you're, I, you could stop having that dream. I feel like it's totally all right. Rational. Well, I'll tell my brain how I can stop. having. Yeah, that dream. shut that brain. <laughs> all right. What about Courtney and Kendall? Courtney and Kendall. They say when Bob's pretending that he can't hear Peterman in the conference room. All right. So that's a hot take, but I'll finish this. Why doesn't Elaine just get in Bob's face and repeat Peterman like like Rob? We don't revolve plots around. Uh, they don't like plots that revolve around misunderstandings. Just move closer to Bob or write it out for him. His eyes aren't deaf. Mm-hmm. I don't think, see, they're assuming that he that he's pretending that he can't hear Peterman where I think in that first scene, I mean, he's got, you know, maybe, but he's a real evil genius if in the first scene he's already pulling that off. Like, how did he do the interview, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it's just a matter of if somebody's too far away from him, he can't read their lips. So I think that this is just a case of here's a totally innocent person who is sort of a date rapist. But other than that, is a pretty good guy. He <laughs> is a, you know, he's a person that he's just like, uh, if he's not close to you, maybe he can't read your lips. Other than that, how is the play, Miss Bennett? <laughs> um, they they, they also have a Lincoln tie in. Yeah, that's an intentional. Link. They do mention it in the episode. Yes. Uh, Courtney can also say, uh, they, they know we've both claimed that we have zero game with the ladies. Mm-hmm. So they have a suggestion. Next oh. time, t- take a note from Kramer and let our wives know that we're all a Twitter for them. Might work. <laughs> I'll let my wife know. <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh, saying the word a Twitter would sour my wife. She could not be desoured. Could not be desoured. What she about hates Twitter. Yeah. She thinks, she thinks Twitter is like the world's biggest time suck. She's Does not your wife do any it. social media? Is she on Facebook? Uh, she is on Facebook, but she doesn't post. Okay. Like, like she might like like a post, but she doesn't post herself or the kids or anything like that. You're better off. Yeah, I think, yeah. Uh, you know, more time to, uh, you know, think up things to get mad at me about. Okay. What does Evan in Tuscaloosa say? Evan says, what do you think is the better way to get out of doing work? Pretend you're annoyed. So it looks like you're busy or getting a hearing aid and pretending that you can't hear. A lot of listeners think that they're pretending. Yeah, I'm buying it. I'm in. I'm in on Bob. I'm not a truther. I think that Bob is really he can't hear. Maybe there's like one time where he's where it, is but, Bob's hearing certificate. That's right. Isn't it amazing Long that form. the guy that there was a plane crash and the only person who didn't survive was the guy who signed Bob's hearing certificate? Kind of crazy. People are saying that Bob can hear. <laughs> I like the strong thing. <laughs> yeah. Um. But to answer that question, the best way to get out of work. And just to be fair. The person who started the Bob isn't deaf rumor, of course, mm-hmm. is Hillary Clinton. <laughs> is that true? <laughs> she started it. She started it. How many episodes of Seinfeld has Hillary Clinton seen? <laughs> That's a good uh, question. Boy, I mean, it was like the number one show back in the 90s when she was yeah, when the she first did, lady. Like, yeah. Yeah. How much TV were they watching, really? I think that I could see, you know, them having it on. Like, I mean, she's going to turn on the TV and like. After Seinfeld, like Jay Leno and like it's a monologue joke about Monica Lewinsky. I don't think that's happening. I mean, that's only the, the towards the I mean, the, the what is the overlap on Seinfeld and Monica Lewinsky? I don't think that there's very much at all. I mean, that uh, I know that it's 1998 that we're having like impeachment. Is it what when is it January 99 when we get into impeachment stuff? 
I think there's a very small overlap. I don't think she's seen a single episode of Seinfeld. I bet she has. Like maybe a, a bit, but not a full episode. Not a full episode. Maybe we'll yeah. get uh, who's who, Anderson Cooper. Who's the next moderator? Maybe we could ask that question. <laughs> both of them. Yes. <laughs> well, how many has Trump seen? Trump is really a cable news guy. Yeah, but there wasn't cable news when Seinfeld was on. Right. So Trump now hates Jerry because Jerry opted out of one of his charity events a couple of years ago after Trump started the uh, the Obama birther stuff. OK. Um, and so like he gave money or something, but he didn't want to show up at the event because he was annoyed at what Trump said. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to say before that, you know, because Trump sours, Trump sours and these de- and I don't know if he, de-sours, he doesn't de-sours. desour really. Yeah. Yeah. I think he could use the desour on some people. I think. Um, I'm going to say Trump has seen like two episodes yeah. of Seinfeld and Hillary's in zero. I mean, on these like celebrity apprentice things that, you know, he seems to know the backstory on all these sorts of like different crazy celebrities that are there. So I have to imagine at some point he's yeah, seen. Seinfeld. I also think especially like now TV is like a more prestigious medium. But I think in like the 90s, like rich people didn't watch TV. It was considered like beneath them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, big Trump surrogate Rudy Giuliani is on Seinfeld. You don't think he watched Rudy Giuliani Seinfeld episode? No, I don't think they were like that close back then that he'd be like, hey, my friend Rudy is on for one second on the show. I'm you don't think that. Rudy Giuliani makes him watch it now? <laughs> I mean, now Rudy Giuliani, like I could see him do that. <laughs> like but- that may have been. Like, because they were he, Rudy Giuliani was like his main debate prepper right, for the first debate right, prep. Like he's and and the New York Times they were saying like he wasn't focusing and they were just like trading war stories with like the mm-hmm. war generals that are like. So I do think like at some point Giuliani may have been like, hey, uh, do you want to watch like the Seinfeld episode I was on? <laughs> and if he had said that, like wh- you know, while they're prepping for the debate, like who would say no to that? Of course, it's twenty right. minutes right. So yeah, I think it's possible it happened. I'm sure Chris Christie has seen a bunch of Seinfeld episodes. Oh, Chris Christie has seen the uh, the whole the whole series, no question. <laughs> yeah, no question. All right, Dan the benefactor, Dan the benefactor. What's going on with Daniel Murphy, by the way? Uh, I mean, hopefully nothing. I don't know. Is he going to play in the playoffs? Why is he hurt? Yeah, he's got a he's got a bad butt. Oh, I didn't. You know, I haven't really been following uh, uh, the Nationals <laughs> yeah. at all. I've been so focused. Yeah, Daniel on the Murphy match. has like a, a very troublesome glute. Oh, literal what, pain in the ass yeah so so ironic considering he you know he's so <laughs> he's so careful about other people so. <laughs> okay what about the end the benefactor he says uh so connie and the two mafia guys don't check to see if someone's breathing before assuming they're dead in fact when kramer initially falls asleep on connie he's breathing directly in her face so it's ridiculous for her to think that he's dead listen these are not brain surgeons this connie who refused to leave kramer's house and and her uh you know and her buddies uh dan adds Assuming he's dead, why throw him in the river? It seems like a dead body floating along the Hudson River, or if the body sinks, Kramer's mysterious disappearance would be a lot more suspicious than Kramer just dying in his sleep at home. Yeah, mm-hmm. why doesn't she just leave? Like, she I might not be able to be traced back. It's a good There's question. no murder. DNA, if he just died. The DNA, the OJ stuff is hot. Yeah, but what, what did she do? Like, the guy died of a heart attack. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, if, assuming that's what happened. Or well, like a then why didn't she call the police? I mean, that's a good question, but that's not like that's not going to put her behind bars. Like mm-hmm. actually throwing him in the ocean makes it look much more suspicious. Yeah. Then it's just a disappearing person. I don't know. Uh, Daniel Murphy is. Uh, and by the way, nobody Kramer might not be reported missing for months. Like no one. <laughs> Jerry doesn't care enough to do it. Newman is too you know, self-centered to do it. Yeah. Who, like Babs is coming to check on him every week. It could be months before someone reports Kramer missing. Yeah. Uh, and the update on Daniel Murphy, that while uh, he is not 100%, he should be uh, ready to go for game one against the Dodgers. This will be outdated probably by the time. <laughs> Boy, 
<laughs> Just hope Chase Utley doesn't take him out at second base on a slide. Too soon. I can't even think about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you think Dan the Benefactor is laughing at us after the Mets are knocked out of the playoffs in the wild card game tonight? Uh... I mean, I mean just to really put this at a time and a place. Sure. I mean, listen, the pain is coming for the Nationals just like it is for the Mets and anybody who plays the Cubs. So <laughs> we won't be laughing for long, Dan. All right. Then let's check out what Lindsay has to say. Lindsay, uh, I would definitely be like Jerry when he asked to be part of the audience participation thing. I hate it. I was even sort of reluctant to be enthusiastic at one of those Benihana type Japanese restaurants where they make the food in front of you. Have either of you ever been reluctant participants in an audience? I, Ooh, I don't like think I must have at some point. I don't think I've ever. You're the type of guy who gets picked. I don't think I've ever been picked to be like mm. the audience person who like goes and like dances with like Elmo <laughs> or something. I don't know. What about Benihana though? I don't know. I've never been to one of those types of places. Oh, yeah, that's right. There's too much shellfish there. Um, but in terms of the audience participation thing, I think that the move is I think you just have to go along with it. I would never want to volunteer to be that person. But I think at the point that you are selected, it's not a good look for you to be sort of like the dead fish. Uh, again, to bring it back to Benihana, where you're just sort of like, OK, you like where you look too cool for school. I think you have to just go along with it. Yeah, you don't want to be the grouch. Yeah, yeah, nobody likes it. Nobody likes it. All right, uh, what about Caleb? All right, oh, so Caleb and Craig want want to change the episode title. Not a great title. Yeah, Caleb says, "Would it be a better episode title, uh, the Deaf Guy?" And Craig says, "The Jacket," although he admits that may have been used, and yes, it was used in season two. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'd have to do like a double switch where the jacket became something else, and this became the jacket. How about the blazer? Uh, do they use the word blazer a lot in the episode? They do not. So I don't I don't think that really works like the flying sandos. Would that be memorable? Mm, it's the same as the Friars Club. The, what about the hearing aid? Uh, it's OK. It's OK. I mean, there's not so much meat in this episode to really even like come up with a great name. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the Da Vinci sleep? Yeah, I think the Da Vinci sleep is the best one. OK, there you go. I think that's good. You got okay. it. Go with it. All right. Let's go to then uh, Matt in Massachusetts. Connie mentions that she can't call the cops because Joey might find out. Is there any chance that the Joey she's referring to is, in fact, Crazy Joe Davola? That's a great theory. <laughs> I love it. Yes, let's say that. And since Jackie Childs has had bad experiences representing Kramer, wouldn't it have made sense for him to take the case and represent Connie, knowing there's a chance that Kramer would blow the case this time in his favor? Yeah, also a good point. Yes. Okay. Yeah, you, get, you could get Kramer to crack. Now, not for anything... Jackie Childs, I know he is a lawyer and maybe I know we have a lot of legal experts that listen to these podcasts and I'm not being facetious about that. So that what kind of law does Jackie Childs practice where sometimes he is bringing a class action lawsuit against a coffee company? Other times he is defending people in murder investigations. Yeah, I don't want to, uh, you know insult you but i believe our final emailer of the day has a very okay. similar question <laughs> okay good 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 all right, all uh, right. <laughs> uh, kenny from england has a uh, has an interesting take for us he says uh he's several times he's heard us muse about kramer and where his money comes from and that we think it comes from drug dealing on occasion this guy's british so he writes like that on occasion you've both really twisted a situation to try and make it fit that kramer is a drug dealer which has been very amusing but Kenny does not believe that Kramer's a drug dealer, and there's really no evidence to suggest that he is. In fact, in The Sniffing Accountant, Kramer couldn't do a worse job of pretending to be into drugs if he tried when he was trying to snare the accountant in the bar. So he's got his own suggestion for Kramer's financial backstory. Yes. He thinks that Kramer was left a modest sum 
in a will by a relative, like a distant uncle, that about mm-hmm. $500,000. Well, maybe that's modest thing. Well, that's a lot of money in America, <laughs> uh, which would which would have been uh, not. Uh, I don't know what that is in pounds, uh, which would have been not too much for him to live the high life. Kramer would have blown the $500,000 in a week, first of all. But I, I like the theory. Uh, but enough for Kramer to live modestly and more importantly for Kramer to not need to need to work as I he can't imagine any regular job that would suit Kramer. Kramer doesn't live extravagantly. His wardrobe looks like he shops at, at uh, secondhand shops, eats Jerry's food, borrows Jerry's things and takes any hand me downs going. So apart from his rent, he doesn't need that much money to live on. Occasionally do something crazy like surround himself in wood. But on the whole, he lives a pretty simple Spartan lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Besides this, Kramer's nearly always at home with no evidence of people queuing. I think that means lining up at his door to trade. The reason why Kramer reacted the way he did when he saw Jerry's big paycheck in the Cadillac episode is because now he, he realizes what Jerry's earning potential is. And in Kramer, this puts uh, a Jerry in a different league. Hence the I don't think I could talk to you. I feel inferior comment. All right. So I, that's a good theory. What do you think about that? That he inherited a modest sum of money. So I could see it. Does Kramer look at Jerry as the next person who eventually when he passes, he will leave money to Kramer? Is that why he's trying to uh, you know, suck up to him? Well, then he shouldn't have been mad that Jerry got the 50 grand. Then he would have been <laughs> mad that Jerry bought the Cadillac because that's his inheritance, you know? <laughs> yeah, I could see it. Um, it's, it's probably more plausible than our theory, but definitely less fun. Yeah, I, I don't mind it. I like it. And uh, is there anybody else left? Yes, we have uh, one last email. Uh, <laughs> we don't have a, a title for Chester this week. Can you think of one? I, I, you know, I have to do these every week and I, I ask people to write in, but people wrote the in taller like taller than you thought. Alexander Chester. Oh yeah, Rob is still reeling that he found that Chester six one. He thought Chester was like five one. <laughs> I didn't say five one. He <laughs> said his voice makes him sound like much shorter. I yeah, I didn't think he was that tall. So kudos to Chester. Uh, Chester writes in Kiev. How much would you have to be paid for sitting two hours at that crappy Flying Sandoz Brothers show? By the way, this guy just spent fifty eight dollars to go to like some <laughs> a, a, like prayer service with a canter. That you for a thousand dollars, I would have said no to it, and Chester paid money for it. Um, like, <laughs> All right. well, that, why, why? Why are you knocking him because he is uh, more spiritual? He could have gone to a free one like down the street. It's Manhattan. There's fifty other synagogues. He paid money to go to like the one place that had like some cantors, some old dudes singing for like three hours. Okay. Oh, wait, wait, fifty-eight dollars. You said? I think so. For three hours, that's a okay deal. But it was also like late. It was like midnight or one in the morning. It started. <laughs> I don't have enough information to make a call on this. No, uh, trust me, it's insane. <laughs> all right, then these guys are played by the Flying Karamazov brothers, which leads to even more questions. Why did Seinfeld give them this gig but not allow them to use their real names? He wanted to help them out, but only a little. I don't know why. Like, I guess NBC. Like, it w- was it like Cirque du Soleil a big advertiser or like? <laughs> stomper you know the blue man group and they're like no 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 no, no. they don't get any free publicity we advertise on nbc you know they it doesn't make any sense right Mm -hmm. also they got a chance to show 30 seconds of their show on national tv and this is the best that they could do yeah i think maybe that's why they didn't use the real name right Mm -hmm. now maybe that they felt like at the point where they're using their real names now this is a 30 second commercial for the flying Karamazov brothers, which I guess, according to their advertisers is like, boy, a 30 second commercial for these guys, they should be paying us $2 million. And it's like at the point where they change their names. Oh, okay. Now they're just actors in the show. We're paying them, you know, 
$30,000 each to appear in Seinfeld. Right. They got to play by our rules. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure what the divide is, but uh, it, it is a little weird that they don't use the real name. Mm-hmm. Anyway, then finally, Chester wants to know on this subject, Keith, how much would you have to be paid to sit through two hours of that crappy flying Karamazov Brothers show? Mm. If it was like a regular night, I had nothing doing, maybe like a baseball game on, but only like a regular season game, not such a big game. Mm-hmm. You give me an, give me, you pay for my Uber and give me 500 bucks and I'll go. Not less. <laughs> Boom. All right. Uh, Chester asks, why does the guy scream Agrabah when Jerry steals his jacket? It's both a magic word and a cry for help. Right. When, when, when he takes, when they do the trick, they scream Agrabah. And then when they steal the jacket, he steals the jacket. He's screaming. I guess that's their like catch all word. Mm-hmm. And then finally, since when do police bring the victim along when making arrests for criminal suspects? Good question. And also, why is Jackie Childs the only attorney in New York? Now he does criminal defense, too. Listen, she calls her lawyer. I feel like the same type of person is represented by Jackie Childs, you know? Mm hmm. Yes. All right, Keeve. What's the hashtag today? Ooh, I don't know. We don't have a lot of great choices. Uh, what do you think of uh, hashtag thin shaming? Yeah. Oh, I like thin shaming. <laughs> I mean, I don't like, I don't think we should thin shame. I mean, I like the hashtag thin okay. shaming. Good stuff. All right. And then, of course, Keeve, uh, next week, what's coming up? Oh, we got the Wigmaster. We got Joseph in the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Josh Wigmaster. Oh, that's right. <laughs> we got a guy with a, with a, a ponytail. Um, <laughs> fun will be had by all. All right. Good stuff. Uh, you can follow Akiva on a Twitter. He is <laughs> at Keeve26. Uh, what's coming up on the 32 Fans podcast other than the, uh, what, what would we call this now? The, uh, the season, uh, this, a season in Shiva, the 2016 New York Jets? Yeah, I guess the quarterly uh, review for the Jets probably won't be good. We'll probably just uh, talk about all the games. You know, I didn't see the games live this week because of Rosh Hashanah, so I, I like binged all the games Tuesday without knowing who won like a crazy person. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's really nothing good to talk about. At what I'm point over- did you turn that jet game off? I, you know, I watched it on condensed mode. It was just the plays, so I didn't have time to turn it off. But I wish I could unsee it. Mm, okay, all right. And then, of course, uh, I'm on Twitter at Rob Sesternino. Uh Thanks so much to everybody who made it this far into the podcast. We always appreciate your feedback and star ratings on iTunes and in the comments on PostShowRecaps.com. Thanks so much to Scott St. Pierre who edits the Seinfeld post show recap. And then also Mike Moore who writes our recaps on the website. Keeve, anything else? No. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, everybody. Bye.